You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. So good to be here with you this morning. I just love coming on Sunday morning and seeing all of you, my family. And if you're here for the first time, then you are family. If you are here, whether you like it or not, you're just family. It's just the way it is. That's how it is in this house. You're here, you're family. And I'm just so glad that you're here. We are in a series right now within a larger theme that kind of talks about how God wants his people to flourish. He really wants people to not remain the same. He loves all people, and he loves us too much to leave us the same. He actually wants us to grow. He wants us to experience life and life to the full. And in order to do that, we really have to step into all that God wants for us. We have to step forward. There's a little homage to last year. Does that word sound familiar to you? Step forward. Do we already forget step forward? You know, we talked about it at great length last year because we operate in yearly themes. And in order to step forward, I'm thankful we serve a God who doesn't want us to stay stuck. He doesn't want us falling behind, but he wants us to step forward. And in order to step forward, we need to be all in and we get to be all in for God. And that's the year's theme this year is all in. And that does mean all. Like God wants to come into our lives and have an effect on every area of our lives. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind is our main text for this year. And in order to do that, we, we, we have to experience God and experience him to the full and let him take control over every area of our lives. And if we do that, We get to experience a a real and authentic, a lasting life change. And when you read the scriptures, the, the scriptures are full, chock full of instances and events and stories of real people's lives that have been changed when they come in contact with God. And I think we run into some mistakes sometimes when we read the scriptures and we think, oh, I don't know. That's great for them. It almost seems like unapproachable because if it's within the bounds of the Bible, that's like them and then there's me. But we ought to and we get to observe the different lives in the scriptures, in the Bible, and see how God wants to change lives because it's pretty dramatic at times. Like one person could be at point A and it's like a complete flipped point Z that they end up at when they come in contact with God. And I love that because I think that meets an inmost desire that we have as people that we know that something isn't right and we want to look to the place that will fix it. And so here's an example in Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. That's where we're going to be camping out. So if you're taking any notes this morning, I would encourage you, which quick side note, I'm a big note taker. I'm a nerd. I always walk around with like a little field notes thing. Uh, First of all, they're trendy. So that's cool. And two, um, it's very practical which is awesome. So I'd encourage you to take notes. And um, before I read this text, I actually want to read it in its entirety. I just have to get this off of my chest. I have something to get off of my chest. Um, I know that this is a story of a very short man, and you'll know what I'm talking about in a moment here. Um, Apparently, there are a couple of ways to pronounce this name. And if you are a visitor and you didn't grow up in church, then just have a moment here. Uh, Just take a moment. Don't feel ostracized here, um, because this is like a weird church culture thing. So some people would say Zacchaeus. How many would pronounce Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, like Zacchaeus? Yeah. And then there are some of us that say Zacchaeus. Who says Zacchaeus? There are more of my people 
in the second service, I found I was in a very small minority. It was like me and two other people holding it down. I had people, it, it, it grew all kinds of dissension within the church. They were coming up after me. It's like, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. But the reason I bring that up, which again, like I said, let me have a moment here with the church fam. If you didn't grow up here, don't feel like this is weird. You know, it's like the Diddy, P. Diddy, Sean Combs, you know, Puff, Puff Daddy, that whole thing. It's just, that's weird. This is weird in our culture. So just take a moment, okay? Um, but yeah, I, I, this is the kind of joking you have in a pastoral household. You know, I was telling Lauren, my wife, you know, what are you, what are you preaching on Sunday? I said, Zacchaeus. She goes, Zacchaeus? It's Zacchaeus. <laughs> it's like silly. It's kind of dumb, right? A little bit. Okay. Luke chapter 19, one through 10. So you'll have to have grace on me. It's Zacchaeus. I think I was taught wrong as a kid. It's just the way it is. Okay. I want to read this event in its entirety because I believe there is direction for our lives this morning. I believe God wants to do something significant in this place and in the hearts of lives this morning as we follow his word. Amen. So let's read it out. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Here is an extraordinary example of a life that really experienced a remarkable, amazing, to the true definition of the word, amazing life change when coming in contact with God. He lived one way and was completely changed to live another. And I believe that God wants us to experience that kind of life change where we can experience life to a greater degree because our best life is all in for God. When our actions most mirror God's actions, when our personality most mirrors God's personality, that's when we become the best version of ourselves. And when we look at this scripture, we see an example of Zacchaeus here who experienced a real life change. And that life change occurred and it had something to do surrounding with this word called salvation. And salvation is one of those words where it's like, if you grew up in church, you might have heard that and it might be like a self-defining thing. Like salvation means, like if I were to ask you to find salvation, you'd say, well, salvation is salvation. You know, have you ever had like a word like that? Or maybe you grew up in, you didn't grow up in church and you're here and you're like, okay, I know this word salvation is important, but I'm not really sure what it is. Like, I, I, there's salvation, like, there's, there, I should have salvation, there is salvation, salvation is offered to me, there is salvation, I should have salvation, I don't have salvation. What is salvation? If you give a textbook definition of salvation, it is this. Salvation is a preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. That on our own, what the Bible calls sin, it could lead us to our own nature, our messed up nature. No one in here would say that they are perfect. 
that imperfection in light of a perfect God, what the Bible calls sin, is something that will lead us to a very dark place. And therefore, we need to be delivered or saved from it. We need to experience salvation. And salvation is a huge deal in the scriptures. When you read the text, you can see all throughout the Bible that salvation is a huge deal. And I will even let you in on a little secret of my favorite Bible verse, which is a big deal. Oftentimes it changes almost month to month, but this one's lasted for a long time, okay? This one's lasted for a long time, and I think it's actually a real special verse because I think, in my opinion, if the whole Bible could be kind of shrunken down to one verse, which, don't just read this one verse and stop reading your Bible, okay? But I'm just letting you know, if the whole Bible was shrunken down into one verse, I think that this verse really captures the whole of the Scriptures, And I think if it doesn't make you stumble and you have this opinion, I think it makes great fodder for a Christian tattoo, you know? And some people are against tattoos and that's okay. I'm just letting you know, good fodder, okay? That's a joke, we can laugh. Is anyone here? Are you guys with me today? Is everyone awake? Okay, I'm gonna get cast off the stage. Okay, he's always on tattoos. Okay, no, all right, here we go. Jonah 2.9, I think Jonah 2.9 captures it just well. Salvation comes from the Lord. Oh, I think it's the whole Bible in one verse. That when it comes to our plight as humanity, what we observe outside of us, what we observe inside of us, how it is all astray, there is only one way that we can be delivered, and that way comes from the Lord. I think that the whole scripture is a story of God wanting to save a messed up people. And you and I are part of it, especially me. I just want to let you know. But then it's one thing to know the salvation concept to say, okay, so God wants to deliver people. God wants to save people. But we run into this issue where we read a text like Luke chapter 19 and looking at Zacchaeus' life. And I think a part of us or some of us have this tendency where we look at the scripture and we say, that's great for him. But this is not for me. I, 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 I am not like that. Trust me, you don't even know. Zacchaeus, yeah, he may have been a bad dude, but like I'm telling you, I'm even worse. I'm worse. And that's why I'm really glad that you're here because this month we are in a series that's called Even Me. That there could be no greater lie that says, oh, this is just for the people within the scriptures, that it's just for that person, but not for me. When it comes to the question, who does God love? It is our hope that you would leave this place with a firm answer that says, even me. When it comes to the question of who does God want to set on mission, even me. When it comes to the grace that's administered, who is to get that, even me. When God wants to add meaning and add purpose and and enable a person to go and build the kingdom of God, who is that for, even me. In fact, it even says in the scripture, as like the main text for this month, all who call out to the Lord will be saved, all people. And sometimes I think we run into an issue where we believe that this message of the gospel, deliverance, salvation, is only for those who are on the margins. Those who maybe are being suppressed and don't have power, those who don't have a lot of resources, and the gospel is for that person. In fact, it's for that person, it's for the old person, it's for the young person, it's for all colors of skin. It is for all languages. Literally, all who call out on the Lord will be saved. But if you're here and you experience something that's like, you know what, I've, I'm not on the margins. I experienced some success in my life. 
Zacchaeus represents a kind of person that I think is, 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 is common in the United States of the rich. That, and even in the world's eyes, we are very rich. But even if you are the rich among the rich, this story speaks to you. Because Zacchaeus experienced real life change and he was a chief, uh, chief tax collector. Which I want to give like just a moment here that I think if we grow up in church and we hear tax collectors, I think we all, if you grow up in church and I'm speaking to you, we get the tax collector thing. You're like, all right, they were bad. They were bad people and people didn't like them at all. And that's true. Like people did not like the tax collectors. But I was thinking about that and I, and I kind of wanted to spark up that, that understanding of hatred for these people. Again, I don't want to throw them like terribly under the bus. So I'm just wanting, it's hard to like make a modern day equivalent to the tax collector. But it, it wouldn't be unlike how maybe if you are here and you work for the IRS, and you are at a, let's say, social event, a networking event, a dinner party, and you might dread that question of, what is your line of work? Well, I work for the IRS. It's usually met with a kind of, ugh. Like, these people are stealing from me. And I'm not throwing you under the bus, honestly. If you work for the IRS, I'm not throwing you under the bus. The same thing happens to me as a pastor. I go to, like, a networking event. I go to a dinner. And when it comes up, what do you do? I say, I work at a church as a pastor. And it's always met with weirdness. Always. Language begins to change. It's like a forced, like, spirituosity to the tone. Thank you, Father, have a blessed day. And it's like everything changes. And I'm like, you don't need to change. Like, I'm a normal person. I sit on the same toilet. Like, that's just how we do it. You know, like, I'm not like any better than you, I promise. Just be yourself because God wants you to be yourself before Him. Amen. That'll preach. That'll preach. But we run into this issue of thinking, oh, I can't identify with this person. Well, it's like, it's like the IRS, the chief tax collector. That was a. That was a almost like a hated person among the Jewish people because under Roman rule, backed by army support, the tax collectors could go and charge more than the taxes, give to the Roman Empire what was the Roman's empire and pocket the rest. And so the people hated them. It was like a drug lord in a city who, while people are in trouble and suffering, they make all the money. And the chief tax collector is even more so because he could overcharge people and pocket that difference. And then he could also take from the other tax collectors as the chief tax collector, a portion of the extra that they charge. So this guy was loaded. And we looked to these people and, and they were looked upon as really nasty, negative, sinful, evil people. Just as we consider the financial, global financial crisis that happened 2007, 2008, we look at these mortgage brokers and mortgage lenders and see that they're taking advantage of people, giving them homes that they simply can't afford. And a lot of people experience a lot of money lost from a, as a result. Not me, though. I didn't have any money. I just still don't have any money. Um, and so they kind of looked at them as, oh, really bad and evil people. And yet here's an example of someone who was not in a desperate situation economically. In fact, he had a lot. And yet he was in a desperate situation nonetheless. And as a result, he experienced a real life change from Jesus. So know this morning that yes, this message, it is even for you, regardless of where you find yourself on a pay scale, on a ladder, 
in a socioeconomic division. It, it, this message is for all of us this morning. And so I wanted to coin this phrase of the even me experience, meaning the experience of, of seeing real life change from God that we can experience regardless of where we're at, whether we're at the top or at the bottom or somewhere in between, that there is an experience where God wants to come into our lives and help us to experience real life change, lasting life change. How many times do we go for life change and we find that that change is short-lived? It's like going to the gym in February, in January. So short-lived. I don't mean to hit below the belt here this morning. I'm sorry for those of you who are trying. Like we're, I'm trying, you know? Real life change can come, and we can see that in the life of Zacchaeus, which then begs the question, how can I have an even me experience? How can I position myself where I can experience this change that can come from God? I believe when you look to this text, you can see all kinds of helpful direction for your life. And for my life, that's what I love about the scripture. God doesn't leave us on our own, looking for meaning, looking and groping around as the world does, trying to find the thing that works. He has given us a way forward that works, tried and true every time. And so let's look at the life of Zacchaeus and this event of Zacchaeus recorded in history and answering the question, how can I have an even me experience? Does that sound good this morning? I'm alone. Who's with me? You guys awake right now? I'm not even like making you feel guilty. I just don't want to be alone. How can I have an even me experience? I think we could see a good starting point, even at verse one, to make sense of a good starting point in this text where it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. The thing I love about Zacchaeus was he, he saw Jesus and he saw a moment. And he wanted to take advantage of a moment. The fact that Jesus was just passing through. It wasn't like he had tickets to a big concert, a big like conference where Jesus was going to come and speak. He just heard that Jesus was passing through and he saw this as an opportunity that he needed to leverage. I think that's important for us in, in answering the question, how can I have an even me experience? We need to leverage any passing through opportunity. We need to leverage any passing through opportunity. Do we see Sunday morning as just that rote thing that we check off? Or do we genuinely see Sunday morning as an opportunity, a moment where Jesus could be passing through and where I can experience real life change? Do we come expectant on a Sunday morning? Or have we fallen into the category of that's just what I do? But here we can see in the text that here's a moment where Jesus was passing through. Zacchaeus saw it as a moment to leverage and his life was changed as a result. And I wonder if we believe the power of Jesus in his just passing through and how he has the ability to change lives even in a moment when we don't even think twice about letting our kids skip church on Sunday morning because there's a soccer game. It could be a moment that a child experiences the life-changing act of God. When we're tempted to just kind of turn over, and I'm not meaning to like heap on a lot of guilt, I'm trying to say there's a moment, it takes just a moment, any moment with Jesus can be a life-changing moment, so we should not underestimate a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, a personal prayer or devotional time at home, a cup of coffee with a godly friend, we should not underestimate any of these things, because it could be that life-changing moment like it was for Zacchaeus. So when it comes to experiencing this even me, experience or living out this even me experience, then we should be leveraging any passing through opportunity. 
And then, of course, when, when he noticed and saw that Jesus was passing through, what did he do? Very um, kind of cliche or, or inappropriate for that time period is a man running in that culture. He ran to Jesus. And why did he run to Jesus? In verse 3, we get a little glimpse. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was, which means that he had a little bit of an awareness. It's a little counterintuitive to what we might expect from Zacchaeus because he had everything. He had all the riches. He had all this wealth. He was in the top echelon, that top salary category. (laughs) And that's a, a category that many of us were like, man, if only I could reach there, then I will be okay. But there's something about human nature that says, no, 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 that's not the way how this kind of works. And I'm going to have like a confessing moment here as a great example. And maybe some of you will identify with this. I like ordering packages off of Amazon. You know, we're going all over the place, right? It's just kind of all over the place. There's something like Christmas. I think these guys have really nailed it on the head. No wonder why like Bezos is like the top. He's like the most, you know, richest man in the world now. Um, it's just amazing. It feels like Christmas every time. It's like, I know I need this. I'm going to order this. And to a degree, I think we all feel this. And then, are you like me? I track, I track it all the time. I'm always looking, where is it? I need this. I'm not going to be satisfied until I get here. And I get weirdly obsessive about things. Like, I'm just being honest, man. I'm a confessing moment. Like last, it was like pruning shears. I was talking to the front, I said pruning shears. I really wanted pruning shears. I ordered these. I'm tracking it. I'm like, whoa, I need this. It came. I was elated. I opened up the box. I used it. It's on the shelf right now. Don't even think about it. <laughs> That's a funny example of a real reality where it's like, you know, we, we need this. We, and so we go and we obtain, we try to get that promotion. We try to get that relationship. We try to get that salary and then we get it. And then it's like, this, this didn't fill me up like I thought it would. And so Zacchaeus, he, even though he was on the top rung, he recognized and he was hearing the story surrounding this Jesus and what he offered, what he was talking about. And so he ran to Jesus. What an awareness that he had, an awareness that I think that we all need to have. We need to recognize our own desperation. That we are desperate. That we need Jesus. That there are holes in our lives and in our heart that cannot be filled with any money, with any person, with anything but Jesus. And so he ran to Jesus We need to recognize the desperation. And then when he got to Jesus, in verse 5, Jesus said something kind of crazy. And I think this is a really important part of the text in verse 5. He says, when Jesus reached the spot, when he got together with Zacchaeus, he said to him, I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. How many of you view your home as like a very sacred place. How many of you? Like, okay, let me go a little bit further here. You are willing to kind of slodge through the drudgery of the world, deal with that coworker, even do that thing with, you know, your family that you don't really like. You're willing to do all of that, but when it comes to your home, it is like your safe place. At the end of a crazy day in a crazy world, it's like there's a moment at home where it's like, this is my sacred place. This is my safe place. And even if you entertain and love to entertain and you like, you know, clean up the house, set out the best dishes, you know, make the big meal. Everyone's there. We're having a good time. You love it. I love it. We all love it. And then everyone leaves. And then what happens? You just go, 
and you're sitting on your favorite chair, you probably put on your favorite show, and you're like, this is my safe place. How many of you view your home like that? That's your sacred place. It's that very sacred place that Jesus said, I need to come in. I want to go to your house. And Jesus is saying, I want to come into that place from which you raise your children. I want to come into that place for the way that you order your time and the place from which you order your finances. I want to come into that place from which you conduct yourselves in your relationships and your sexuality. I want to come into that place where you decide what goes into your mouth, what goes into your ears and what you see with your eyes. I want to come into that place. I want to come into your house, that sacred place. And our response makes all the difference if we want to have this even me experience. And I think that that response of Zacchaeus makes all the difference. It's three very powerful words. Zacchaeus welcomed him in. He welcomed him gladly. And so we need to, if we want to experience this even me experience, this life-changing experience with Jesus, we need to let Jesus in. We need to let Jesus in. And then once Jesus is in, he wants to have an impact on our lives. He loves us just as we are and not as we should be because no one is as they should be, says Brennan Manning. Meaning it doesn't take you to clean up your act before God wants to come in. God wants to come in even as you are because no one is as they should be. In fact, you want to talk about the main point of this entire passage of Zacchaeus is Jesus's words in verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Literally, the whole point of that passage, and there are all kinds of helpful things that are in there that we're discussing, but the main point of that passage is you don't have to be perfect for God to come into your life because he came to seek and to save the lost. Yes, even you. But he loves us too much to keep us where we're at. He wants to see us change. And to see us change, that's both a positive and a negative thing, meaning we have to remove some things out of our lives and we need to introduce some things into our lives. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. When he came in contact with Jesus, he let him in. He said, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. A man who was so greedy, this is in verse eight, a man who was so greedy, skimming off the top, overcharging, he took care of that greed problem and he said, I'm giving, I'm removing the greed problem by giving half of my possessions to the poor. And he doesn't stop there. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Meaning he not only removed the greed out of his heart, but he introduced the godly concept of generosity. And similarly, if we want to have an even me experience, we need to remove the illness and introduce the godliness or what the Bible calls repent. We need to remove the illness and introduce the godliness, which is repentance. And here's the problem. You can't just do one without the other or else it'll fail. I've seen people try to live and introduce godly behaviors into their life while hanging it on to sin in their life, and it just snuffs it out every time. Similarly, and this happens to give an example in the young adult community, similarly, if you try to just remove the bad stuff out of your life but don't introduce the good, you will find that it is very short-lived. It happens in the young adult community all the time. They know that the group of people they're in is willing to see them jump off a bridge. What kind of supportive friends are that? Are they? And so they're like, okay, I'm going to cut out my friends. All right, great. And then they just sit alone as an island without introducing good and godly people into their lives. And I'll tell you what happens every single time. 
right back to the friends, right back into destruction. God had something bigger in store for life change. And it's the concept of repentance, which means an active negative, turn away from sin and turn toward God and keep walking toward God. Fumble through it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna take one step forward. You're gonna take three steps back. You're gonna take four steps forward, two steps back, five steps forward. It's always forward though, even with a couple setbacks. So if we want to experience and have an even me experience, then we need to do all of these things. And I wanna review them here. How can I have an even me experience? I think it's very important when looking at the life of Zacchaeus. Leverage any passing through opportunity. Recognize the desperation let Jesus in and remove the illness and introduce the godliness slash repent. Now, here's the thing. I know that someone in here is saying, but Mike, you are forgetting the most important part of this event. How could you not say the most important part of the event? You didn't even talk about the most important part of the event. What am I talking about? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Go ahead, sing with me. Wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. The most important part, right? The thing that we're taught, if you grew up in church at all, again, if you're with us, you know, there's a lot of weirder songs than that, okay? In fact, I won't even wish that song on you, even though I really merit and value for those who want to get me the theological truth in it, but I would not wish Father Abraham on anyone, not on anyone. And you know what I'm talking about. Because you're going to start singing it right now. You're going to be singing it out next week. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. This is an important part, however, of this narrative, a very important part of this narrative that we cannot overlook, we cannot undervalue. Luke 19, 4 through 5, describes it well. So he, Zacchaeus, ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. We cannot have an even me experience if we are up in the tree. If all that we can do is look down at Jesus from a distance, we cannot experience him as he has called us to experience him. And this is true. Even if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, it seems like we have it all together. We don't recognize our own desperation. And so we're climbing up the tree. And where is Jesus when he's offering his hand? Oh, he's below me. I don't need that hand. I'm up here. And similarly, you can follow God so closely that you start climbing up a tree on your own of religiosity where you are on this high horse as a religious person, as a morally upright person where you're looking at Jesus in the lives that he wants to change, and you're saying, oh, look at him. He's even wanting to go into the house of sinners. Jesus is below you. I find it very interesting that Jesus, he came to Zacchaeus up in the tree, and although he had good intentions while climbing up that tree, which some of us have, it's like, you know what? I feel like I just need to clean myself up because I need to get to God and I want God to be able to do something within me. I don't think it's always this negative, mean-spirited thing. I think that maybe you really want to try to get close to God. So you're like, I need to clean this up for him to love me. It's a lie of the enemy, but I get the heart behind it. And Zacchaeus, he climbed up this tree to look at Jesus, but Jesus didn't want Zacchaeus to just look at him. He wanted to have a relationship with him. And so what did he say? He said, I want you to come down. 
I want you to come down so I can come into your house. And here's the crazy thing. While he called Zacchaeus down from the tree, Jesus, he ascended a tree so that he could live in relationship with Zacchaeus and with you and I today. That Jesus wouldn't be beneath our gaze, but instead he would be lifted up for the world to see on a cross. That although we were in our desperate position and we were unable to get out of it on our own, Jesus, he hung up on a tree while he called us down and said, no, 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 I'm going to come to you. I'm going to do it for you when you cannot do it on your own. For the wages of sin is death and all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can't climb any tree to fix that, but Jesus can climb a tree to fix that. And so he died on the cross and he took on your sin and he took on my sin and he died on the cross and in a pure moment of sinful humanity, he was brought back to the earth and he was placed in a grave to say, this is your sin. I'm on your level here in this grave. But three days later, he didn't stay in the grave. In fact, Jesus, he ascended into the heavenly places and he's seated at the right hand of the father today so that we can place our gaze rightfully, not down on Jesus, but we are to look up to Jesus. And when we look up to Jesus and when we look at him as our Lord and Savior, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God has raised him from the grave, if you don't climb the tree, but if you come down the tree and look up to Jesus, then you will be saved. Someone's got to be excited about salvation. And in a moment, we can see salvation. It comes from the Lord. Jonah nailed it right from the belly of a fish. Live the even me experience. Live the even me experience. Experience real life change. And do that by looking up to Jesus, by leveraging any passing through opportunity, by recognizing our desperation. And that's true, not only on a holistic level, but on a particular level of every area of our lives, the way that we order our families, the way that we order our time, the way we order our finances, the way we order our attitude, our joy, everything. Realize that we are in a desperate situation. We need to let Jesus into that sacred place. Let him in and then remove the illness and introduce the godliness. And it is there that we can live the experience of even me. Amen. In just a moment, we have here an example an ancient example of Zacchaeus and God coming into his life and changing his life. But I know so many of us have that story of God changing our lives. And we want to take a moment this morning to highlight some of them. And here's a modern example of our own family here at Riverside, Ron Nichols, of how Ron is living the even me experience. God was in my life since I would say high school, but uh, I didn't have any kind of background in it, you know, like, my, I came from a great family, um, we, you know, lived by all the rules of the Bible, but it wasn't, we weren't doing it for God, it was just, that's the right thing to do, so that's what we did, you know, we, um, but there was always just this thing in me that I was always wanting to learn more, but uh, I didn't have the support to figure it out. Fast forward, I went to graduate school at Eastern Kentucky, and um, I met Coach Ward, and uh, he is my mentor. Uh, he, yeah, he helped me a ton. At this time, I also got some friends that would 
that were Christians. So I was in a good sweet spot and I was like, this is cool, I'm learning some more. I got this down and uh, the tipping point was I met a girl and we were dating and I was loving life. And then uh, she asked to go out to lunch one day uh, in between classes So I went and these words, like I can still hear them. And she was breaking our relationship off and uh, she told me it was because I wasn't godly enough. That crushed me um, because I was thinking, wait, I'm doing all of these things that I'm, I think that I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, it turned me off. Like I was, I was done for, it was a couple days, you know, like I was just like, this is done. I'm over it. I'm just going to uh, live my life the way I had before I came to, to Kentucky. And then uh, I went to visit my brother, um, about a six hour drive away, and I was at his house and I was in the shower, and it's kind of weird because I felt the water coming over me, but it was God too, saying that you are everything that I need you to be. On the drive home, and this is just, it was a beautiful day, it was uh, in July, and I had the windows down, just listening to music, and that's when I became a Christian. Um, I can see it right now, beautiful sun, beautiful sky. I'm a naturalist, I connect to God mostly um, through the outdoors, and uh, that's when I became a Christian. And uh, that's when I, I guess that's when I developed my relationship that like, was meaningful and real. It wasn't about, uh, going to church, it wasn't about any of those things, it was I, the big man saying, I got you. That day driving down the interstate, um, because it wasn't about rules or anything anymore, it was, um, he just wants to make me better for his mission. And um, an understanding that I was gonna mess up big time along the way, and that it wasn't, that I had to feel guilty about it, that it was, you messed up. Um, fix what you're doing and, and move on. So it was, um, you know, a lot of people think of why are you why are you a Christian? You have to do all of these certain things. And it was completely different to me. It was like, um, it was freeing. It was like, here are the rules and get inside of this box and go for it, you know? Um, here's your lane, stay between it, you know, stay between the lines. And, uh, and so it was, it was freeing for me. It sounds weird to say that following the rules was freeing, but is. My all-in is just, I think of it as, a, a, I'm a, I ride bikes a lot, so I have this idea in my head that, you know, God is the center and then everything that I'm doing around it is, it, it is all-in. So it, it seems really simplistic, but um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a wellness educator, you know, I teach kids every day and I think that is my all-in. I'm a role model for them. I'm a role model for my son my daughter, my wife, people around me. Um, it's my daily life, you know, like I, I, I'm a naturalist, so coming to church on Sunday is really not my thing, you know. I don't know if that's what I should be saying with everybody watching this, but it's not, like, uh, but I come because I learn more and I get to know other people that, uh, that, that can help me and then I can help them. So being all in is just, you know, you wake up in, my constant prayer all the time is use me and give me the, the courage to follow through on the things you want me to do, um, which one
interview because it's really not my uh, thing to be doing this kind of stuff. But I mean, it was it was easy when I was asked. I was like, that's something you got to do because I think that uh, my story may run parallel with somebody else's. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to take a moment to respond this morning, but I love how we sang just earlier in the service, the simple lyric that I just, I've been loving that song of just, you know, you are good. God is good. And I believe he has a very good story written out for each and every one of us. And he wants us to live out that story because I believe although it may have its ups, it will definitely have its downs and everywhere in between, it will always be good. And we are never so far outside of the mercy of God that he's not willing to come into our lives. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So does that mean you? It means even you. It means even me. So let's pray and then let's respond by singing out to this God. God, we thank you so much for the work you did in Zacchaeus' life. We're thankful that you've given us instruction and how we can have the same kind of experience, God. And I pray for the person here who, who maybe needs to realize that there's power in you passing through in every opportunity. Help them to leverage that opportunity, God. If a person is unaware of their desperation, Holy Spirit, I pray you would wake us up to see our desperation so that you can throw the life preserver out to us. For the person who needs to invite you into the hard and sacred area of their life that they've been hanging on to, God, I pray you would help them to let you in. And as it is a hard journey to continue to remove sin and embrace godliness, Holy Spirit, it is you who sanctifies and helps us to move toward that likeness, which is you, God. And I pray that you would help Holy Spirit through the same power that rose uh, Jesus from the grave, help us to repent, that we might be able to live out this even me experience and see your name made more famous on this earth, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.